Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron here. So happy to be back with you on the podcast where we talk about the mystery of the human personality and the human adventure through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm joined, of course, by my great friend, Anthony Skinner. Ian Cron, how are you doing? My brother, I am doing so well, I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about our guest today, and I'm excited about topic around our guest. Yeah, we're going to be talking today about friendship, which is kind of an awesome thing, considering that we are close confreres. Yeah, we go back a ways. And we're both songwriters. And so we got to talking earlier, just before we hit record and our guest came on, we were talking about our favorite friends' songs. Yeah. Like, what, what songs about friendship do we really love? What did you? We had a couple. What did you come up with? So... You know, I'm a big Bill Withers fan, so I could not mm -hmm. get away from the idea of Lean on Me. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, right? So, Classic. yeah, I mean, look, they're, 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 that's an iconic friendship song. Uh, you know what? The one I couldn't get out of my head, even though I wanted it to leave my head, was uh, I'll Be There For You. Remember the Rembrandts oh, yeah. from the show Friends? For sure. I, I just, I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that song out of my head, but I've got better taste than that. <laughs> Go As an Enneagram 4, I was repulsed by my need to say that. But but Waiting on a Friend by the Rolling Stones. Do you have another oh, one? How about Ringo's I Get By With A Little Help From My Friends? Oh, <laughs> that's a really, really good one. Yeah. Or Bruno Mars, Just The Way You Are. Moving on now. <laughs> Let's ask our, after Wait. you introduce our guests, I want to hear one of their favorite. I know, songs. that's what I was yeah, saying, right? Okay. So today on the show, we have, as you all know now, Amy Weatherly and Jess Johnston. Amy is an Enneagram 9 with an 8 wing, and yes. Jess is a 7 with an 8 wing. Mm -hmm. yep. And they are all about the topic of friendship. Come on. So let's get right in on it. Jess, favorite friendship song. Oh my God. Well, you should have taught, you should have started with Amy. Amy is the music queen. All I can, all I can think is you have a friend in me right now. Oh. That's all that. Comes. Oh, that's great. a great yeah. one. You got Randy Newman. Yeah, oh my gosh. That's an awesome song. Amy, what about you? Okay. Well, I instantly thought of four songs. The first one was the same as that's Jess. Good. You've got a friend in me. Um, I'll be there. Just popped it by the Rembrandts popped into my head too. Um, and then my other two that I thought of, I don't know what this says about me, but I've got friends in low places. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what it says about you, okay? Um, <laughs> and then Taylor Swift has a song called It's Nice to Have a yeah. Friend. Oh, yeah. That's a good... See, we got some song happening. There we go. Yeah. It's and a musical every time I'm with her, so well, I knew she had some good ones. Well... She's in good company because we are two music-obsessed human beings, oh, yeah. Anthony and I. Big time. And uh, so we could probably go on and on and on. We didn't even touch on With a Little Help from my friends, Joe Cocker's version. Oh. Right? We didn't even get into That's that one. Though. All right. Well, I, I don't want to. I'm looking at lists here online now of songs about friendship, and I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to close that tab. Otherwise, I will not be here for the rest of the show. But this show is all about friendship because we're talking about your new book, which is entitled Here For It, The Good, The Bad, and The Queso. Yes. Love the title. And, and the, <laughs> the subtitle is The How-To Guide 
for deepening your friendships and doing life together, which I know is what you all do together. So we're going to talk about the Enneagram today. We're going to talk about the Enneagram and friendship. First of all, I want to talk to you about your Enneagram types, how you became familiar with it, how it has shaped your friendship, if you will. Jess, let's start with you. I'm an Enneagram 7. Um, I would say that I feel very seen by the Enneagram. I felt like it was an amazing tool as soon as I found it. I'm married to a nine. I, I work with a nine, Amy, and I'm married to a nine. I will say out of any personality test I've ever taken, read about, it was so helpful for being married to a nine and understanding the nine, especially for me. And Amy and I, when we first became friends, Amy kind of Amy instigated our friendship and soon we were we were messaging on Facebook and then we were texting back and forth eventually calling and one of the first things that like we really knew like we're going to be besties for life was when we started talking enneagram cuz we were like oh, I love the enneagram what's your number what are all your friends numbers what what does that mean about them what kind of eight are they so we love so- I am just curious, and perhaps we'll circle back, but I want to know what it was about nines that you didn't understand that the Enneagram helped you understand and opened your eyes to. I think one of the things is other personality tests, he always fell right in the middle on everything. So then the, so he was never extreme, like if we're talking Myers-Briggs. So then it would always describe this extreme version of whatever, but he was always just slightly over the line on everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very kind of middle of the road. So nothing ever even remotely described him. The other thing, and this is, you might, you might think this is funny, that I felt like, oh, was how it said that <laughs> Enneagram nines can be very tired and like to take naps. I was like, <laughs> because I'm a seven. Yeah. So I just could not, I could never grasp. Like you want to sleep right now? Like there is life to be lived or, oh my gosh, when we were first married and we get in an argument, he would fall asleep in the middle of the argument. Yes. No joke. And like as a newly married, I would drive around and get like fast food because I'd be just so mad. And then I would imagine he was at home just worried and I would come home and he would be sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a, I'm married to a nine and I have a a daughter who's a nine. And I always tell the story. We were having a, I don't know, she might've been, early college, late high school. There's five of us in a small car in Manhattan. And we are driving by a Black Lives Matters uh, protest in downtown Manhattan. And my Enneagram 8 child just went on this, you know, big defending and the rights of human beings. And it just was a big deal, right? And, and, and it was beautiful, but lots of energy, lots of passion. Car got hotter and hotter and hotter. And suddenly I look over at my nine, sound asleep. Sleeping. Just checked out. The intensity in the car got so great that they just went out like that. And <laughs> I was like, how do you do that in the middle of this impassioned conversation yeah. about stuff? It's just like, nope, I'm so... Amy, that doesn't sound like you, though. No, no, I am more take the opposite approach. Like, I can't sleep if I think somebody's mad at me. Like, that keeps me up to like days. I can't sleep. Like, I cannot stand 
So I actually thought, I thought I was a two for a long time. I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I love people so much and I just want to help everybody. I am definitely a two. And then I I actually read your book and I read the chapter on nine and I just bawled the whole way through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not for any particular reason, but I was like, oh, like, you know, when it just kind of like, that's you um kind of tapped in my heart and then I realized I don't know if I love people or I just constantly live not wanting them to be mad at me mm. so I sort of <laughs> act like I love them <laughs> and so there's, I know and well, there's you got that good old wing working for you I've got a good eight wing like every once in a while my friends knows because I will go off on a topic that just if it inspires me I will go off and then I'm instantly mad at myself. I am instantly regret, 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 regret. Why did you do that? Right. Uh, but I do, my, my friends start, because if I go on a rant, they'll start doing this. And they'll tell me that my eight wings are flapping. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So well, just like, my yeah, wa- they just like do that motion to me. Mm, like, so oh, my bad. When my wife first read her, uh, the the Enneagram Type Nine description, I'll, I'll never forget it. So we were both new students to the Enneagram. We had gone to a conference and we were at home, and I, she was laying in bed, and she, um, I, I walked into the room and she was bawling, and she was just reading her own type description, and it was just, I don't know if that's a nine thing or just a human thing, you know, mm-hmm. but realizing. Oh, now I understand. It was such an endearing moment for us, you know, really. Yes. Yes. I think it's nice because mine is kind of the same as Jess's husband is it was always, um, and I'm a very outgoing nine. So I'm not a quiet nine. I'm a social nine. I'm going to socialize. So everybody's like, oh, you're this, you're this, you're this. And then whenever I read it and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not those things. I'm not, I don't want to be the life of the party at all. I don't want that. I actually love just peace and everybody's happy. And that makes me feel so good. Not nothing overly emotional, nothing overly just too much. Just kind of right in that, like the gooey center of a cinnamon roll. That's where I want to live. Hey, Anthony. Yeah, ma'am. I got a question for you. Okay. Have you ever struggled to maintain boundaries in any of your relationships? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I can get caught up in a situation at work and struggle to set those boundaries, and it can leave me feeling overwhelmed and sometimes even resentful. Mm. Well, you know what helped me? Tell me. Therapy. Amen, brother. Right. And here's the deal. Therapy isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. A good therapist can really help you develop the self-awareness and coping tools that allow you to establish and communicate your boundaries to others. So when you learn how to set healthy boundaries and recognize when they're being crossed, it can improve your relationships personally and professionally. Absolutely. And... Yeah. BetterHelp's online therapy is a great place to start. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So if you've hit a bumpy spot in your relationship, whether with friends, at work, or with your significant other, I encourage you to find a therapist who can help you work through the challenges you're facing. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash typology podcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash typology podcast. Yes. 
Yeah, that's a very nice. That's a description of the interior <laughs> landscape of the of the Enneagram Nine. And to land you know, on when snacks. they can learn to land on snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can get behind that as well. <laughs> The whole snack thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, what's it like for a nine and a seven to work together? It is the best ever. I mean, I I love a nine. Like nines, I collect them. Like as friends, I can sense it. I can like meet someone and I'm like, you are, I won't, I won't tell them they're a nine, but I will feel those nine vibes. It's like this peaceful presence. I, I love nines. I think we definitely have our strong suits together. And then we also, we, we have just, and in my marriage too, we have, we also have some things that we both um, aren't that great at, like focusing on the hard stuff and stuff like that, that we, we both have weakness in. But I would say people are always like, what is that like to work together? And we, we jive very well. And I think a unique way. Amy, what do you think? Yeah, it is it is a pretty easy work relationship. I'm not going I'm not going to lie. It's pretty fun cuz even like the whole idea so we got started, we were both writing separately, kind of doing our own thing. Like Jess said, I sort of like sought her out as a friend. Like it was like, "Oh, I like this one. I think I'm going to try to build something here." So we became friends and then I just randomly had this idea to start like an online community. We started on Facebook and Instagram, a social media page just dedicated to friendship, just all things friendship. Let's just jump in. And you know what the fun thing about a seven is? Their answer is an immediate yes. Like, (laughs) just just think about it. She wasn't like, you know what, Amy, I've got a lot on my plate. Let me think. Let me see if this is a good idea. Like immediately she was, yeah, I'm in. I am all in. And that is, that's it. It was so uncomplicated. The whole thing was born in 10 minutes. Um, and so much of that was just because Jess is so enthusiastic about starting a new adventure. Sometimes, sometimes we're in a meeting or something and I'll just be like, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I think this is going to be huge. (laughs) And Amy is like, I think, I feel like Jess may be feeling a little bit more positive about this than I am. (laughs) But you know, what's interesting. So sevens and nines are both in this grouping inside the Enneagram called the Positive Outlook Group, Mm. right? And they tend to be, you know, upbeat, optimistic, forward-thinking, can-do types of of, of people. They avoid conflict. Both of you will avoid conflict. We've never had a conflict with each other. I'm sure we've annoyed (laughs) each other privately at times. We have have hard conversations, though, like honest conversations, but we have never had like a big anything no let's really. make anthony we have a goal yeah right now let's like okay how do we promote this book how do we get this word out there and then we thought what if we have a fake online feud and we're furious <laughs> at each other but we've got this book that we wrote together um but we decided not to do that decided <laughs> <laughs> not probably not probably not great marketing not, yeah, not a sell. <laughs> yeah, here for it until now. Yeah, yeah. Right. was here. For One it. thing I will say about working with a nine too, Amy brings that inner three to the table. Like she has this driven part of her that I don't necessarily have in the same way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll like when we we're early working together, I was like, Amy, you're a machine because when she is like 
focused and working. She like cranks out stuff like nobody's business. She was like, Jess, I like it when you tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) But my husband too has this, has this achieving um, part of him that inspires me to be more focused and to work harder and be more driven, even though they're, they're nine and chill. They, they have that inner three. Mm-hmm. People, really you know, people live by stereotypes versus types most of the time. And so they, they tend to think that, you know, oh, nines are so laid back. They probably don't, they're probably not very productive. They fall asleep, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. These are stereotypes, right? Yeah. Um, clearly there are lots of high achieving nines and nines who get a lot of stuff done. And you're just describing what nines are like when they're in their security spot, right? They're at the high side of three, they get organized, they start to, you know, they're able to prioritize, which when they're not in a good space, they don't do well at all. But when they're in a good space, they can prioritize, knock stuff out. They can be pretty driven, go-getters, you know, Um, and they can overcome the inertia that nines often have when they're not doing great, right? Where they can become sort of lost and fall asleep to themselves and to, to their own lives. I think nines and sevens in, in work relationships can be, can be really, really great. It's a great, and they, and in, in romantic relationships, they can mm-hmm. be really, really great. The challenges that they can have often can be that um, sevens are a lot more assertive than nines are. Uh, they can tire out a nine, they can exhaust a nine. Am I exhausting, Amy? No. Yeah, I would say I'm probably more exhausting. Like that. that was that was just too many texts in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I am shutting down. Oh, I do. do I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need you to um, give me tonight, and then I will look at your texts. Because I, if I get excited, I'll do like like. 25 texts in a row of thoughts that I'm having. And then every once in a while she'll be like, it's too, it's, it's, it's too much, Jess. Yeah. (laughs) But here's the thing. What can happen with sevens and nines in romantic relationships and in friendships, right? Because they are in that positive outlook group, it is working through the hard stuff. That is the difficulty. You know, that's the thing that almost always presents itself first. And they, there's, both can kind of do a denial thing, like, and something has to catch fire before they actually have the conversation. So getting to it early is not their greatest suit, you know? Uh, and that's, that's probably the thing that mostly comes up in with uh, couples and friendships, I think, is that things can fester out there a long time before they actually get spoken about, you know, because you want to keep it up. You want to keep it positive. Yeah. Yep. I definitely, we've definitely learned that a lot, especially my marriage, where there's things that we're both avoiding for a long time and it has to get real bad before we're like, okay, we should probably talk about, talk about this. Yeah. And by the way, both types tend to be oblivious to what their contribution to the problem is. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Talk more about that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, pray tell. Look, she, I think she's blushing, Anthony. Do you get that? She's blushing. It's true, though, that types like um, probably more than other types, sevens and nines can be a little bit blind to their own contribution to when things go sideways. They're pretty good at nailing what the other person's contribution is, but not nearly as good as about nailing uh, uh, of their own, you know. And uh, and again, two different energy levels. It sounds like just of all the variants of nines, it sounds like your husband is a what's called a self-preservation nine. I, I was guessing he was the one-to-one 
but I could see some of that too. Okay. And Amy, what are, do you know what your subtype is, Jess? I am a self-pres seven. I'm pretty okay. sure. Self-pres seven. Then, yeah. How do you know that? Just by reading descriptions and, um, and maybe it was seasonal. I would have said I was a social nine a lot when I was, or seven, sorry, not nine. Um, when I was younger, very concerned about doing the right thing and, um, and things like that. And then as an adult, I just feel pretty aware of what I need Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and I don't know. And there was a description that said, um, was talking about how social or self-preservation sevens like to create a kind of family of friends around them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They feel the mafia, they call it the mafia. And that, and that literally is what I spend my life trying to achieve. <laughs> so I, I could definitely see myself in that a whole life, a whole lot. And I have a friend, um, a close, some of our best friends, um, that are a couple and he's also a seven. And I would say he is the, I think he's the one-to-one, but his dreams are always huge. Like I'm a visionary. He's big, big dreams, but like, I want to know, I want, I'm a big dreamer, but I want to practically figure out how we're going to get there. I'm not mm-hmm. quite as like way out there and talk about things that probably will never happen. I have a harder time. Does that make sense? So yes. That's kind of- is that is that person a dreamy kind of idealist um, mm-hmm. type? Yeah, that sounds more like a sexual seven. Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking he was. Yeah, um. sexual sevens uh, are also the most naive of the sevens. And that naivete comes out in these big dreams. And you're like, well, that's kind of naive. Like, you're not going to be like a fireman by tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> like... You know? And, and, and what's interesting about those sevens, I think like... Uh, um, Steve Jobs was probably a sexual seven. They, they, they are also very like attracted to like sort of esoteric spiritual stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're like drawn to like gurus. I'm going to India and we're going to, it's very idealistic. You know? I totally and, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you live in California. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. yeah, I think I think Southern California is where all the all the sexual sevens go to live at some point in their life. That's probably very true. <laughs> all right, so we're you've got this great new book. It's called Here for It: The Good, the Bad, and the Queso. This just dropped January thirtieth. This is a big time for you guys, right? Let's talk about friendship for a moment. Let's just do something really, really basic. Define it for me. That's a big one. Amy, you want to take that? Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> okay, hold on a second. The seven just threw her under the bus. Did you see that? Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. We you, I've uh, never had a big conflict, you that? but we're about to. Amy, Amy, do you want to just go to the bathroom and wipe that tire tread off your face? Because I, I know that you may be self-conscious right now. Oh, Amy just fell asleep. Fell asleep. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, what is friendship? It. I think it depends because I think there are different layers and different versions of friendship. You can have a surface friendship. You can have a deep friendship. And then there's friendship where you're genuinely doing life together. And you're only going to have that with a few people. Um, I think friendship is... I. Man, this is so hard. <laughs> Come on now. I know it's a super hard... Uh, listen. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I, a Mr. Rogers quote right now. 
Yes. <laughs> Listen, if your partner was doing her job right now, I'm just telling you, she would be on Google looking up the best quotes. That on is friendship actually ever. very true. If you were partnered with like a three, <laughs> this would be going better. <laughs> no, I can tag you with that. I think, I, I think we have a big need for relationship. And a lot of times, a lot of the focus is on in our culture and how we grew up is on your romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. But Amy and I talk about this all the time that some of the most defining life moments were really the good or the bad experiences in friendship. Um, it's just a deep, deep need to have uh, connections where you belong, like, and you don't have to pretend you're not trying to be someone you're not, but you truly belong. And I think there's a loneliness epidemic. It's being talked about more and more. Um, and friendship is really the cure. Like real authentic friendship is really the cure for that. I think. Yeah. Mm. Like a, a space that, um, I'm a safe place for you to be your whole self and your safe space for me to be my whole self. And sometimes that's going to get messy. Sometimes it's going to be weird. Sometimes hopefully most of the time it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's also going to be mundane a lot, but we're, (laughs) we're both, doing life, let's just kind of help each other get through it in 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 a way that makes sense and spurs each other on and pushes each other forward and carries us when we're weak and and lets us relax and lets us celebrate. Kind of all of all of that. Just it's I don't mm. know. Not to sound I, cheesy, but it's kinda of like finding a little home in somebody else. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I was just about to I say I don't know who said this, but friends are the relationships you have with your chosen family. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Pretty apropos. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And it kind of feels like yeah, where you I just was... landed, Amy. Go ahead, Ian. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think I think it is important to kind of define friendship, right? Because it's something we we feel we feel vaguely, but we don't know how to clearly articulate, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. oh, I know what it feels like when I have a good friend, but we don't really stop to examine well, what what really is the purpose of friendship and like what what's it for? And I was thinking that friendship is wanting and pursuing, actively pursuing the highest good of another person, regardless or not regardless, but at great, even if it costs you at great personal cost. So if I want the highest good of this other person and um, I'm pursuing it, I'm actively wanting them to, to become the highest expression of who they are. And I'm willing to invest tremendous energy in helping them achieve it. I think that's kind of what friendship is. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what a great marriage is. Mm-hmm. Right? It costs you, but it, but it's a selfless act that that is costly. Mm-hmm. Like friendship yeah. is costly. It is costly. Everybody yeah. wants it to be easy, and everybody wants it to be fast, and everybody wants it to just. I've got this quote and I say all the time and I'm just hard things are rarely easy and easy. No. What is it? Hard things. No. Hard things. Uh, well, anyways, I don't know, but basically it, 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 it takes a while. Go back. Well, thank you. This good, wait, wait, go back. There's this quote that you say all the time. Anyways. What? <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm very good with quotes, clearly. <laughs> I, that is like the biggest thing I feel like we we feel like is the big message right now currently is be the friend that you want to have. You have to take action. You have to go and plant seeds of friendship in order to 
bear fruit of friendship where Mm. people are kind of stuck in this passive position of, well, I'm just waiting for friends to show up or to invite me to do something or Mm -hmm. I'm just too busy to go to that, that girl's night. I just can't. But if you don't make time for it, if you don't invest, you're not going to have the kind of friendships that you're longing for. And I feel like we feel like that that's a very big current struggle around friendship is people have kind of forgotten um, how to prioritize those relationships because it just feels like an extra thing. Well, I have so much going on. I don't have, I don't have time, but then they want that depth there to fall back on when things are hard and they're surprised when it's not there. Yeah. Mm. I feel like it's kind of a thing right now where I wish people could, could get it because they want it both ways. They want it both ways. I want to be invited. I don't want to go. I want someone to be my friend. I don't want to, I don't want to be somebody's friend. I want someone to get out of their comfort zone to get to know me, but I'm not going to take a step forward. People want it both ways. And it's, it's kind of, the truth is you've got to choose your heart. It, it is hard to get out of your comfort zone and meet somebody. It's also hard to be lonely. So choose your heart. It is hard mm-hmm. to get rejected in friendship, but again, it's hard to be lonely. Choose your heart. Are you going to do these? Which, which one are you going to do? Are you just going to stay where you're at and pretend that you don't want friendship and that you don't need it and that you don't need connection with people because you're lying to yourself? You do. You were created for it. You will always need that in other people. And there's just some hard pieces that come along with it. But on the way, there's just these beautiful moments and these laughing hard with somebody and sharing with someone and and you know having someone love your family and your kids and sharing queso with another person like these things are so beautiful but they do come with some hard parts too and i think our culture is just not good at accepting that mm. i think the enneagram is a such an important tool for for friendship too cuz i know with accepting the hard moving through the hard i feel like the enneagram helps me understand my friends and understand where they're coming from on such a better level to love people as they are. I think Mm -hmm. it's a a really powerful tool for loving people as they are and to take some misunderstandings out of the equation. Like my friend who's a one seems uptight to me about this because of how she's wired and what motivates her that completely shifts my perspective with my friends. And I have much more of a appreciation for our differences and even wanting those, those different numbers in my life, because I know they bring things to the table that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yes. And it, it helps us appreciate people and accept them for who they are and who they could become. Mm-hmm. Because the Enneagram isn't just a map that describes who you are. It also describes who you could become in your healthiest expression of who you yeah. are, right? So, for example, with an Enneagram 7, yes, I, 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 you know, I have a child who's a 7. I, I accept that this child of mine doesn't like uncomfortable feelings, right? Just does not like distressing feelings. Now, I accept that, and I have empathy for it, and I know who he could become if he chose to face those uncomfortable feelings and, and realize the depth of character he could have if he had both joy and sorrow wrapped mm-hmm. in the same package. Oh, yes. And yeah. also, I think uh, we talk about this a lot, Ian, 
I have a daughter who's a seven, and it was so helpful for me to know, even and I and I, you know, I help my kids understand this too. If you're going to have an uncomfortable conversation, you got to keep it at 15 minutes max. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you you learn how to go in and how to address it, but also to say, hey, I just need to have this conversation. It'll take about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and they know there's an end in sight. They're not going to get trapped in this feeling of uncomfortableness. And then yeah. it's it creates an opportunity for connection, whereas otherwise you might try some other you know sort of method that that wouldn't otherwise work. So it's been helpful for that too. Well, we all generally want to be treat treat others the way we think we should we we would want to be treated, right? And as an Enneagram four, I can have a deep conversation with somebody for days, yeah, yeah. for days, right? But if, 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 if those of you who are listening, you should go back and listen to our uh, conversations with Shauna Nequist and her husband, Aaron, and they talk a lot about this. Shauna is a hard seven, man, hard seven, and he's a four, mm-hmm. and he's ready to have deep, I mean, I know Aaron pretty well, deep conversations, right, about life and existential matters of the heart, and and Shauna's got that for so long before it's like, let's have a dinner party. So it's like, you know, different speeds right but they also do call each other i mean in a beautiful way this is a good example of how great relationships can work you know aaron has raised shauna's tolerance for difficult conversations about difficult subjects not even about their relationship just about life hard darker toned conversations whereas i think shauna has helped aaron to have more of a sense of humor about himself to mm-hmm. take himself a little a little more lightly than yeah. fours typically do. And so that's where, you know, we see and accept each other for who we are and we su- see who we could become and we stretch that's each good. other to go there. Totally. You know, in really, really wonderful ways. My, can I say this really quick? My my it's my kids have done that with each other. One of the one of the things I love, uh, a little example, I was with my daughter. There was this is a time when they were both teenagers. She came and she jumped in bed with me. We were like just, you know, talking. And I said, um, and she knew this. I said, Justice, my son, he really needs to have like a a heart-to-heart conversation with you. Like he needs you, right? And she was kind of afraid of getting trapped in this because he would kind of come into the room and she would feel like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a long, drawn out conversation. I said, uh, I said, you need to just carve out like 15 or 20 minutes and and go there with him at whatever it was he wanted to cover. She goes, what if we drove to the ice cream shop? And I said, okay, from the time that we leave the house justice till the time we get there, you can talk about whatever you want. But once we get there, we're having ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a perfect deal for both of them, you know? Oh, that sounds, yes, that sounds perfect. Hey folks, thanks for listening to our conversation with Amy and Jess. Be sure and tune in next week for part two of the continued conversation. Until then, have a great week.